Thanks, bro. Thank you, bro. Testing, check one. 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 Is that good, guys? Thank you, Lord. Testing, check one. Testing, check one. Holy Father, Holy Father, ask your Holy Spirit now, Lord, to come in a special way. I try to find a place to go pray in between services because I get so easily distracted. And while I was kneeling in Pastor Mike's office, um, having grown up Catholic, this is what came to my mind. There were times that the bishop would visit our church and he'd walk down the aisle and he'd dip this stick in a bucket. Who, know what I, who knows what I'm talking about? And he would, holy water, right? Hi, sweetie. Hi, honey. She puts up with me. <laughs> How many remember that? And he would shake it on you. And it was like, I, that came to mind. And um, it was like, Father. That was just a symbol. It didn't do a thing. It didn't change me at all. Not saying it can't, but it didn't. How much more the real thing, amen? Holy Father. Last Sunday I spent hours at our church in prayer uh, by myself. I pray that's not a brag. I just... Our church has been going through a heavy time for a year and a half, and I just, we've been like a ship out at sea. We haven't had a pastor, but we have great elders who've been covering things, but I don't know how long I was in there, and our youth pastor came in, and I was just leaning against the wall weeping. I said, bro, I just want every service we have to be a camp service. And in a way, beloved, we have to have them like that. The days are so evil. How many baby boomers in the room? Does it, our society look like anything that we grew up in? The wickedness, is the thing that terrifies me is the young people have known nothing different. So they think that this abnormality is normal when it's a grave wickedness. And now conservative bastions in our country that were known for holding the line of conservatism in the text of scripture and orthodoxy and the faith handed once and for all to the saints are caving, are caving. Thing, names you'd never think would. And I know, except for the grace of God, I would cave. And so there's something in me that rises up even more than it has is we've got to cling to the text. I don't care what society says. They are up one day and down another. First they believe this, and then they believe that. That's why the faith was handed once for all down to the saints. The apostolic teaching of the canon of Scripture, and it's over. It's done. Once for all. 
God has not changed his mind on these issues. And he never will. So there's an ache in me, beloved, is that every time we gather, I feel it's got to be more powerful than ever. Saturated with scripture, Holy Spirit all over the place, because it's getting hot out there. And I know in a second, I would cave in a second, just like everybody else did, unless he helps me. In myself, all I want to do is please people. Well, Gertie, that's disaster for the ministry. I know. I don't know what I'm being a preacher for either. I can only have one answer. The weaker the vessel, the more glory God gets for using it. He chooses the weak things. So you are, I love coming here. I told the first service that I get to enjoy the labors of your pastor. He's done the work, and I get to enjoy the fruit of pouring into you of his plowing and raking and watering year after year after year. I love coming here. And he is right. I'm not, I don't feel like a guest speaker anymore. You, you don't mind putting the lights off over the house, bro. Thank you. I didn't say this to the first service people. I, I forgot about it, but it's been really in my mind. Bro, as I've been spending days and days and days preparing, I kept think, seeing in my mind that, um, that I was a golden rake. And it wasn't a grass rake. It was those other kind that have the wider, harder teeth, metal rake. And I saw gold, and that's nothing to do with me. I'm an absolute mess, and it's worse than you think. But I just felt like, I feel like that's what the Lord was going to do with your church family while I was here. I, I don't know. I just felt like he was going to use me as a rake to rake down into the soil of this fellowship and just dig some stuff up. You know, find some things that are down there. How many of you have ever dug in the ground and you, were, you found things living that you had never seen before and you weren't expecting to find them? I don't know. It's, that's what's been in my spirit preparing in my mind. I just see this golden rake. And Lord, I don't know what that means. I think I do, but I just pray that, Lord, that uh, there would be uh, pockets of life that maybe are concealed right now beneath the soil that would be dug up, Lord that would be discovered, contribute to this fellowship for the life that's already here. Michael, what's the shield and the sword for? 2 Timothy 1.14, Paul told Timothy to guard the treasure that has been entrusted to you by the Holy Spirit. These would never work in the warfare we're in. The enemy laughs at this stuff because our weapons aren't carnal. But we have something that we've been called and entrusted to protect. And the only way we can do it, and we're seeing this, like I said, more and more, is that many people are giving it to the enemy. The treasure of the gospel. 
I didn't say this first period either, and it just came to me because it's been on my mind. The devil wants the pulpit. The devil wants the pulpit. Ten times out of ten, if he has a choice, he'd much rather have a seminary than a brothel. And he's getting them. And many he's had. The devil wants the pulpit. You got the pulpit, the country's done. Guard that which is entrusted to you. The treasure, Paul told Timothy. What is it, Gert? The gospel. Right now, how many of you have been to the Grand Canyon? I'd love to go. I've never been, but that's what I envision Hades is like. As massive as the Grand Canyon, except it's filled with fire and screaming with souls right now as we are in the comfort of the sanctuary. Countless numbers of souls. I even have a video I had made for one of my camps a few years ago called Pop Culture and Hades. I almost sent it to play it this morning. But it shows all the activities that human beings are, on, are involved in every day on the surface of the earth. Pleasure and recreation and ignoring God. And then it fades out from these different scenes that I had this uh, guy from my camps get for me, and it goes to a, ro a, a roaring flames and darkness and screaming people. Because that's exactly what's happening. My video is paltry compared to what's really happening. And that's why the gospel is so unspeakably precious. It's, it's the only means to keep you from winding up down there. And they're down there now, beloved. And you know, Jesus told us what they're doing. He's the one who created it. He said they're screaming. They're begging for water. They're wishing they could get on the surface of the earth to warn their relatives. And the gospel is the only thing that keeps human beings from going there. The devil wants the pulpit. I didn't show this last time either. I showed these. The best way to protect the gospel is starting off by handling it with white gloves. The white glove treatment. Reverence. Fear. When you hold the text of Scripture, you're holding a nuclear reactor. I didn't show this first, period, first service either. The gospel's your best friend or your most dangerous enemy. Nuclear power is wonderful, and we have comfort, and warmth, and heat, cool in the summer, all kinds of things we get from it. But if you tamper with it, and you don't handle it as it must be handled delicately, and with knowledge, and reverently, it will kill you. And it wreaks, it does disaster. Just ask the Russians with Chernobyl. And that's the same way with the scriptures. They're your best friend, or they're your worst danger. The nuclear reactor. I have a friend who was by my side in camps for years, and he works at a nuclear reactor plant, and has for many years. I thought for years that the nuclear glow was like a lime green. He said, no, it's a light violet. So I had to change the bulb. You see? That's what the gospel is, beloved. It's a treasure and it's a terror to those who reject it. It will leave you either uh, grant you entrance into the kingdom of heaven or it will nuke you and it will provide evidence against you on Judgment Day.
So it must be handled delicately and reverently. I'm going to share with you the most important part of the Bible, the entire Bible. What do you mean, Gert, the blood of Jesus and the cross? No. What do you, Pastor Rick, you get a heretic in here? It's not the blood of Christ and the death of Christ and his atonement for sinners? No. Oh, I get it first. You want to talk about the Trinity and that Jesus had to be the second person of the Godhead of the Trinity to be truly divine and human, to be worthy of that second. No. What are you, what are you going to talk about? The parable of the sower. Parable of the sower? It's the golden key of all of Scripture. Parable of the sower? Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, how can you understand any of them? Why? The parable of the sower is all about how you listen to the Word of God. And if you don't have the principle of listening to the Word of God, as Jesus taught us in the parable of the sower, it doesn't matter what doctrine you hear. You won't hear it. You won't receive it. Whether it's the Trinity or the deity of Christ or the blood atonement or substitutionary atonement, it won't matter. That's why the parable of the sower is key. So key, because underneath us, right? Open pit. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, Jesus said to enter by the narrow gate. Why, Jesus? Because the gate is wide and the path is broad that leads to destruction, and many are they who find it. I've heard preachers interject their thinking because they feel like God has to have more people in heaven than there are in hell. No, he doesn't. If he chose to save one person, it's absolutely jaw-dropping. Revelation 7-9 says there will be a number of redeemed more than any man can count. It's a huge number, but God's not hung up on numbers like that. Oh, no, what will people think? No, nothing like that at all. It shows the unbelievable mercy of God that he saves anyone. So for him to save a number beyond count is indescribable. But I've heard the theories that preachers have interjected, and as though Jesus didn't say what he said next. He said in... If Jesus said what I just quoted him saying, as far as many are those who find it, oh, bummer, of the whole human race from Adam and Eve until the last humans conceived, bummer, a big chunk are going to hell, but most are going to heaven. You could believe that from what he said, but he didn't stop. He said, but narrow is the gate, and constricted is the way that leads to life, and few are those who find it. So Jesus Christ, creator of all that is seen and unseen, just said that of the human race from Adam and Eve until the last human being is conceived, most are going to hell. He couldn't have been more plain. That's why the gospel, again, is unspeakably precious. Devil loves to steal these things. That's how you make liberal seminaries. You steal parts out of it. Or you add things to it. Or you take the real gems out and put fake ones in. He said, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, little word, as, A-S, one of the most powerful and sobering in all the Bible. Why? Because what Jesus was saying, that as the parable of the sower is being preached, it's being fulfilled. So right now, this morning, the parable will be fulfilled in you. While you're listening to it, that's the dynamic of the parable of the sower. Because it's about hearing and what you do with what you hear. He said, as he sowed, some fell on the wayside. 
on the road. The first thing that happened, because it was on the road, and you don't see seeds that are on the road underneath any of the ground, because a road is a road so that carts and horses and vehicles, chariots, can ride on it. It's not supposed to be soft. It's not made for seed. But Jesus likened the first group of people to the road. And because the seed laid on top of it with no ground at all to go under, this is what happened to it. It says, Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 8 says, and it was trampled. What is the seed? The Word of God, amen? By which he made the universe. He sent his word and he healed them. He spoke words and demons freaked out. And yet that very precious word, human beings trample. And he lets them do it. But this is God never loses. He always has the last laugh. And no one, he's not mocked. So what happens? This first group of people, they trampled it. So here's the first group. It was on the road. First thing that human beings did to it is they trampled it. And this gives the devil permission by God. It says, and then immediately the birds of the air came and stole the seed. And Luke, in his render, rendition of the parable of the sower, Luke chapter 8, verse 12, it says, so that they cannot be saved. They cannot be saved because of where they were at in the non-receptivity of the word of God and how hard it was. Instant permission, the Lord said this, for the devil to come and take the seed so they can't be saved. Wow. And I was in my prayer closet many years ago meditating on this text, and I think of all the Bible in 34 years of preaching that I've spent the most time on is this text, and I just, you can never plummet's depths. But I was laying there in a fetal position, I remember, praying and meditating on this, and I kept thinking in my spirit, oh, Father, oh, Father, these people... They're so hardened that, oh God, immediately, your word says that the devil is allowed to come immediately and take the seed so that they cannot be saved. And then immediately into my mind popped this. And this is one of the reasons I use object lessons, because they stun me. I saw this in my mind. And as soon as I saw it in my mind, I felt like someone punched me right in the stomach. Oh! What is it? It's a vulture. What do vultures feed on? Dead things. So when a person's heart is that hard as Jesus described, given permission for the birds to steal the seed so they cannot be saved, there's only one bird left for those people, spiritually. This is not a game that we're about, beloved. You don't come to church because, wow, well, it's a thing to do. This is survival. This is eternity. That's why this church, thank God for your pastor, it's replete with the word of God. It better be. You'd be amazed what churches are doing in America to fill up the time. And the word gets a little tiny bit at the end, and it's a sermonette for Christianettes. Why are the people this way, Jesus said? Lord, why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus said, they fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah. He said, they're ever seeing like the things of God. I mean, these people saw the Son of God in the flesh, which all of you long, and I who love him, 
Remember, Peter said, you, you love him, though you haven't seen him. So they saw him in the flesh, but he said, they'll see, but they won't comprehend. If they really knew who he was, they'd be diving at his feet or treating him like his disciples did in those times of love. I know they all deserted him at the end, but they knew, he was, they knew who he was. But he said, they'll keep seeing, but they won't comprehend. He said, they'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. Where was Peter Pan from? These people are from ever, never land. Spiritually, they ever hear, they ever see, but they never get it. So this is what Jesus is describing these people and why judicially by God, Satan is given a permission to take the seed so they cannot be saved. This is why Jesus said those who, what they think they have will be taken from them. So this is what they are spiritually to God. I am not interested. When is this over? Boring. What's next? I'm not interested. Stay out of my life is basically what they're doing. They keep seeing, they don't comprehend. I don't want to hear it. And it says that they, they hear heavily, is the literal, literal Greek. They hear heavily with their ears. And it says they, active voice in Greek, they shut their eyes. I don't want to see it. Get away from me, Jesus! God is not mocked, beloved. I have a pastor friend that I consider a mentor, though I'm older than him. I'll never forget what he told me years ago. He said, I've seen a lot of people die, but very few deathbed confessions. This belief that, oh, no, Lord, just wait for you forever and ever. The Bible doesn't teach that. You can cross the line with God, and you're done. Jesus said it. I didn't say it. I know his mercy's forever. I'm a living example. But you don't play with God. You don't play with nuclear reactors. And Jesus said, whoever these people were, They'd cross the line. And so that's why he spoke to them in parables. I'm giving them the parable, which is the walnut shell, but they're not getting the nut inside. Because, Lord, why do you tell them about farmer stories? What does that have to do with anything? This is why I speak to them in parables, because this is what they're like inside. And what did Jesus tell us not to do? Cast your pearls before swine, or give that which is holy to dogs. Why, Jesus? because they'll tear you to pieces and trample the pearls. So Jesus is describing why people wind up in hell. It's how they treat the word of God and the lack thereof. And he said, the reason that they do this, I don't want to see it, I don't want to hear it. And he says, the reason they do that is if they stop doing that, he said, otherwise, they'll turn and be converted. They'll repent and I'll heal and forgive them. They don't want it. Wow, what else is he supposed to do with them? Satan, you have my permission. Jesus said even what they think they have through Gospel of Luke will be taken from them. Wow. Next one. So what happened on the road? They, they stomped it and the, the seed was stolen. What's the next one? The next one is rocky soil. Again, for years, I thought rocky soil, and, and, and like when Jesus said that, it would look like this. But years ago, I learned from study is that it wasn't that. In the Holy Land, the rocky ground had a, a very thin layer of soil on top of it. But underneath it, just a few inches down, was a slab or a base of limestone that you couldn't see. So he said the next group of people, the reason they don't make it to heaven 
is that when they hear the word of God, they receive it. And it says they receive it. They receive it gladly. They receive it immediately. And we immediately assume they're regenerated and in the kingdom. Bad assumption. Bad assumption. You see, people are dead in trespasses and sin where they even need the grace and the spirit of God and God the Father to enable them to believe the gospel and enable them to repent. Because they're a slave to sin, and that's all they've got until they're regenerated. That's all they got. But so how is our people who are dead in trespasses and sin able to have all of these spiritual experiences and actually receive gladly the word of God? Because they're made in the image of God. It's Haven't you noticed even atheists are very spiritual? I mean, so many people in the, in the world are not saved, but they're very religious and spiritual. Why? They're made in the image of God. And all of them are dead in trespasses and sin. So this is why these people, they receive the word gladly. It says, but Jesus described these people, what they were like, their characters. This is what the Gospels combine, the three Gospels. As far as the earth in their hearts that you need to nurture and germinate the, the seed and bear fruit, it says, not much. I think Luke says, but because their soil was shallow. And Luke also says, because they had no moisture. Another version says, because they had no depth. So here on the surface, we're seeing, oh, look at the so-and-so. They're so excited for the Lord, and they're just being so zealous, and they're doing this and doing that. But if they're one of the th rocky people, you don't see half what's going on down underneath. Jesus just described them, shallow, no earth, no depth, no moisture. So what happens? But Jesus said, when the sun rises, as it always will, what happens? They just as quickly as they accepted the word of the seed, they let it go. Just as fast. They go like this. I didn't know these issues and these troubles and these struggles and these trials and persecution were all part of this package with Jesus. And it says they, as quickly as they accepted, they let him go. I didn't know this was part of the package. He's not worth it. It's basically what they're saying. Jesus is not worth this. They don't know Jesus. They don't know Jesus. And you know what many of them do, beloved? You've probably seen the stories of apostates who were once famous Christians. Then they get like this. It says in Matthew's gospel that they were scandalized. One version says they recanted. I think another says that they turned on the very seed that was meant to give them life, if I remember right. You see? But it started like this. Winds up like that. They didn't bear any fruit. So what happens on, on the rocky? Sorry, these are backwards. No moisture, no soil. Let me give you a little advice here that will help you, I pray. Because I guarantee if you are truly a Christian and regenerated, the Spirit of God is in you, you're going to have the sun come up, as Jesus said it would, and scorch you. It says they were scorched by the sun because they had a very shallow root system and not moisture and not enough earth. There wasn't enough, enough substance in these people to endure those that God ordains them. Now, a lot of times your scorching will come from You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have had some of the most devastating, stumbling, offending things happen to you from Christians? I wanted to kill myself in 2002 because of one. They love Jesus big time, but
but the stuff that they did to me. And you don't expect it from the church, do you? But remember that Jesus came to save messes. And if some of you are honest, maybe there are people who would hold this sign up with your name on it that you've done to them. That's the hardest stumbling block, isn't it? And don't worry, Jesus, if they're his, he'll spank them. But that doesn't mean he doesn't choose to allow it to happen and conform you more into his image. Think of where you'd be without these people in your life. I'm afraid what I would be like if it weren't for all the people who deeply hurt me. I'd probably be a herder, and I'd be a lot more arrogant than I am. You'd be amazed what God uses people for. I think David Edwards, the vice president of Elam, once said, it's impossible to crucify yourself. You always have one hand left. So somebody's got to do it. You get it, Rick? Yeah. So what happened? They bore no fruit. They starved. Third group. Thorny. Some seed was thrown among the thorns. Beloved, the thorns were already there. The heart that the seed was thrown on was already and had been nourishing the thorns. And again, once again, these are paltry object lessons. The thorns in the Holy Land, what Jesus was speaking of, they could grow six feet high and have a very extensive root system. And that's exactly what, why when the seed of the Word of God is thrown in hearts of people who have these thorns already there, why the seed loses. Because this side of the person, this is sin nature. I always, you've seen this object lesson before in the past with another message. I use it a lot. It's probably one of my top five object lessons that I would value. But this is sin nature. It always, without ever any exception, always wants anything or anyone other than God. It is hostile to God. Everything God loves and is for, this is against. It will never feel like going to church or praying or being around God's people or seeking God or witnessing or reading the Bible and nothing. It's hostile to God. And that's what bears and breeds thorns. So it says the seed was thrown, sown among the thorns, but the thorns grew up with it because the heart again that was nurturing, giving the little nurture to the seed, they started to grow, but the same heart had already been nurturing this. And it says the thorns grew up with the th seed and choked them. Ponigo, the Greek word. It choked the life out of them. Then Jesus went on to describe what these thorns were that choked desire for God and the, the word of God. The deceitfulness of riches. You've seen, maybe you've been suspect to this. The man who loves money is never satisfied by it. And you just keep chasing it more and more. And you can never have enough. And Jesus said that's one of the things that you have this insatiable lust for wealth and, and all that it provides. And that desire is stronger than your desire for the things of God. It can be anything. Sports, pleasure, recreation, anything. Very vile, evil desires. But Jesus said this is why this group didn't make it. 
and didn't bear fruit that bore to eternal life is because they, the cares and the worries of this life, like, oh, uh, 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 and you, you can't even function and nurture the seed in you or the desires for other things. And the Greek word there is strong desires for other things. So what happens? It strangles. And nothing survives. So Jesus said that this is why these three groups don't make it to heaven. They don't bear fruit that lasts. That's the key. So the first group is like, I'm not interested. Who cares? Go away. They're done. Second group, I thought I was really into you, Jesus, but you know what? All this troubles and aches and trials, and you're just not worth it. That's basically what they're saying when they leave him. And then the third group is, Jesus, I did have interest in your kingdom and the things of the, of, of the gospel, but I just like this more. And what did Jesus say? If you don't hate your mother and father and wife and children compared to their love for him, you're not worthy of him. So what about people who love things and recreation and fun things more than him? You think they're worthy of him? Hence, I speak to them in parables so that seeing they see but they don't comprehend and hearing they listen but they don't understand. That's what, I'm not giving them the jewels. Now, praise God for the last one. There was a good soil. Hallelujah. Some seed fell on good soil. We had a, we had a, little, um, a little glimpse at the beginning of the text that I didn't quote or read um, about people who are good soil. Brother Mike, um, who are the people who are the good soil. It says that Jesus... Jesus had just given the parable of the sower. And so it says to the crowds, but this is what it says. When he was alone, there's a big difference between attending big religious or Christian gatherings and alone with him. Big difference. Now, wait a minute. But people who never assemble with the saints are in grave danger. And I'm became, the, more, the longer I live as a Christian, the more I really wonder if they're really regenerated. Because that's proof that you love the Lord is because they love the brethren. And I, but there is a place that you can't get all of your nurture just with God's people. Jesus is calling you. Come be alone with me too. So watch. So it says, when, so walk that way, Jesus. So when Jesus was alone and he was with his disciples and the 12, it says that they came to him, Jesus. It says they came to him. Now, I know that you're in the kingdom ultimately because he came after you because you would never come after him. I'm not talking about once you're, I'm talking about once you're in. They came to him. Jesus. This is the fruits of good soil. You, after you hear a parable about a farm and sowing seed, big deal. What, what is, they knew there was more than that. Anybody could tell a story about a farmer throwing seed in the Holy Land. There's got to be something more. You see what's in them? You see it? I got to know. He's, he's got to mean more than just seed in the ground. Good heart. Jesus, why do you speak? Why? Inquis inquisition going on, the good kind. The Inquisition. Like, I've got to know, Lord. Why do you speak to them in parables? And what is the meaning of the parable of the sower? Do you see, beloved? They had to know they were hungry. 
And they, 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 they were hungry enough that they went in pursuit of him to find out. There's fruits of the good soil. Thank you, bro. So what does it say? It says in the good soil, it says in the good soil, are those that had fell on a good and honest and noble heart. Well, we all know there's nobody by nature. We're all a hostile God by nature. So we know that's given by the grace of God. An honest and good and noble heart. And then Luke says that they, they welcome it. It isn't like the other groups. No, or Jesus, you're not worth all this hassle. Or Jesus, I just like other things more than you. No, 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 no. These people welcomed it. And then here's what it says. And they held tight to it. They held fast to it. Same Greek word. Mike, I need you again. Sorry. Same Greek. I'm not going to put the robe on him. Jesus was doing ministry in a place. He went to leave the place to go do ministry in another town. Jesus, where are you going? I've got to go preach in other towns too. No, stay with us. It's the same Greek word about the people with the good hearts who held on to the word of God. It's the same word when it says they held him trying to keep him from leaving. them. You see, those are fruit bearers. You can't cling to that nuclear reactor, you not start glowing. Can't hold a 220 line and sit still. You see, that's the, bear, that's the fruit bearing. And it says, and, and, and Jesus doesn't expect a hundredfold from all, all the saints. Now, to those whom he's given gifts to, he expects more. And we're more accountable. We'll have a stricter judgment. But if you really belong to him, you've got to be bearing something or you don't belong to him. James said, faith without works is dead. And I'm the first one to preach it's, it's faith is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Alone! But you see, what is saving faith? When you're really believing in him and holding the nuclear reactor or the 220 line, you're shaking. You're doing something. You're bearing fruit. And that's what these people did. It says they held on to it. They retained it. They clutched to it. I almost want to say virtually every single night when Kim and I lay our heads on our pillows and we're ready for La La Land because we're both zonked, I, I try to do this every night. Is try when I, I want to fall asleep thinking of the scripture. So I'll have certain portions or text of the scripture. I just start laying there. And uh, Kim, bless her, she gets to fall asleep faster than me. But I'm just leaning and just going over it again and again in my mind. You know why? This is, what I, this is my branding iron. W-O-G, word of God. This is what I'm trying to do by going it over and over and over and over again in my mind. That's how I study. That's how the optic lessons come. Again and again and again and again and again. Because I, I want so much to do this where I wish this was glowing white hot and I could get Pastor Mike to volunteer. Just stick it right on his head because that's what I want to do spiritually. That's what I want to do spiritually, beloved. I want it. I want to get the Word of God branded on my brain. Branded. And I don't know. I don't no, we got to go. It raises your spiritual temperature. You, I'm got, usually dump all these out on the floor, but I'm not going to today. But you start bearing fruit like crazy. It's the more and more his word is in you. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. The words of the wise are like firmly embedded nails. Given by one shepherd, who's that? No debate there. So you know what? 
by thinking of the text again and again and again like a cow chewing its cud. You want those firmly embedded nails deeper and deeper into your heart so that when the shaking comes, they stay. You see, and then you're going to bear fruit, beloved. It's impossible not to. So, and I didn't show you this, and I want to because I didn't show the first group either. But I just, this is a recent modification to this. I've had this head for many years, but I recently did this to it in my garage. If my neighbors saw who lived next to them. But I, I want to show this because this, to me, this is powerful. The people who, the thorns, because they have the red going and the thorns are already there, and they'll, like, they'll do anything other than Jesus. It's, it's, here's, here's what's going on in there. If you go into the minds of these people, there it is. That's all it is. And you know what? It says it has a skull on it. Because isn't anything that takes the affections of God's people, or not God's people, but people from the Lord himself, isn't it toxic? And it leads to eternal death? That's what's going on in the minds of these people because they've given their eyes and their ears and their emotions to the thorns, and now the thorns are all over them. Let's bow our heads. You can turn the music up a little bit. Music moves me very greatly. That's why I have to be careful how much, what I listen to. I'm so affected by it. I love music that makes me want to pray and think about things eternal. I love music that makes me thirsty for the move of the Spirit of God. But beloved, some of you may need this sickle and I'm holding in my hand. Gerd, I know I belong to Jesus. I know I love him, but I am so choked. I'm so choked. I know my desires and my affections are way out of line with these hobbies or possessions or activities that I'm doing. They kill so much desire for God and his word and his people. And I need the Lord to take his divine sickle this morning and cut these things down. Would you bow your head before the Lord? In your own words, you know what it is. In his zealous, jealous love for you, beloved, if you belong to him, he comes after you. Be very worried if he doesn't come after you. It's a sure sign you don't belong to him. But the Lord disciplines those whom he loves, and he chastens those who are his sons, his daughters. God's jealousy is your security. His jealousy comes from his love for you. Hallelujah. One of my neighbors came up to me, and they said, Hey, Gert, yeah? You know the new neighbor down the street, number 17? Yeah. I saw him flirting with the lady across the street, number, 13, number uh, 15. Really? That's a bummer. But if he comes to me and says, Hey, Gert, you know that neighbor down at number 17? Yeah. Well, when you were gone on a ministry trip, he was flirting with Kim. Then we got a problem. Why? She's my wife! That's how Jesus feels about you. He's committed himself to you. You're his bride-to-be. He's got a wedding he's planning. He's very jealous over your heart affections. Very jealous. Hallelujah. 
a faithful, doting husband. Hallelujah. He's here, beloved. Son of God walking the aisles. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, great surgeon, great temple cleanser. Oh, holy one, come after your bride, great one. You've shed your blood for, you paid the bride price. She's yours. Do your work, holy Lord. I ask you to take your divine poker, Lord, too, and poke the, 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 the embers, Lord, in your bride in this room that, Lord, have gone low and gotten cold. And I ask you to stoke the fires in them again, Lord. Stoke the fires in them by your spirit. This song is called Standing in His Word. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. We just had the text given to us. And the Spirit of God always honors with His presence the text. Pastor Rick. Bless the Lord. Let's keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed here. As we consider this parable and the condition of our hearts, it's sobering to think that the thorns could be choking us out and we could like things and be in love with things more than Jesus. Father, I pray this morning for the saints that each of us would examine our hearts. And, Father, where we need to repent of distractions and of misdirection and wrong motives, Lord God, purify our hearts and plow up the fallow ground of our hearts so that there will be good ground there and that fruit production will increase. Help us, Lord God, to consider our ways because our days are numbered on earth and they count. If you're here this morning and you've never had an opportunity to make a decision to come to Jesus Christ, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. You know, as we consider the condition of our hearts, the greatest step we can ever take is to surrender to Jesus. You see, there's a reason He came and there's a reason He died. It wasn't for His benefit, but it was for ours. He hung on that cross, the only blameless, sinless man, the Lamb of God, to break the power of sin over the life of sinners. And each of us are sinners. If you're here for the first time and you're just meeting me, you say, who's this guy? I'm Pastor Rick, and I'm a sinner saved by grace. There's nothing special about any of us that would warrant God to just save us. But he had to send Jesus to break the power of sin. So today, if you say, I'm a sinner, and I, I recognize Jesus died for me, and I want him to be my Savior, I want to give you that opportunity. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the grave, we would be saved. He made it so simple. We have to come to him, repent, and invite him to be the Lord of our lives. You see, if we're in control, we keep running into the ditch, and we get stuck worse every time. 
You say, Pastor, I've tried everything I could think of to be better, to stop with the things that I do that I know are destructive. I've tried to clean myself up, but I can't. None of us can. That's why Jesus died for us. So today, if you're here, you want a clean slate and a fresh start. You want to be forgiven. You want to make Jesus the Lord of your life. I want to give you that opportunity. You say, what will happen if I do that? He'll forgive you. He'll cleanse you. He'll write your name down in the Lamb's book of life. And that means your eternity is settled. He'll fill you with his Holy Spirit and give you the power to live a different life. If you want that today, I just want you to raise your hand. How many people would say, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life? Praise God, don't be shy. He hung on a cross for each of us. Hands going up, God. Ushers, please. God bless you. God bless you. Most important part of our service. Praise God. Let's pray a prayer together. Say, Lord Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner. And I repent of my sin. I ask you to forgive me and be the Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the power to live a different life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, welcome to the family of God. Let's give a hand clap of praise with the angels in heaven.